we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 38 months into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Emerson alongside Bruce Adams and from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, Melissa. Melissa, how are you? We'll start with you. I am well, thank you. It's good to see you. I'm uh, I'm glad you got your uh, your technical issues sorted out. We always have to run a, run through those every time you join. For some reason, I don't know why, but you know we got them worked out and uh, and we're here now. Well, wait a minute, just so you don't give the wrong impression. The technical difficulties two weeks ago were on your end. That's true. That is true. And, I'll, I'll concede and the to that. Technical, the yeah. technical difficulties today were on my end. That is true. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I will see to that. Now, I have sorted all of that out, so there's not to be any more confusion on this end. And we've been trying to run that problem down for two weeks, and we still haven't figured it out. So, oh, weird. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Anyhow, Bruce, how are you today? I'm healthy and alive. Glad to hear it, as always. All right. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, as per... What is on your mind? What's what's front and center for you? What would you like to talk about? Open discussion, as always. What would you like to talk about? Well, I did not bring any big ideas to talk about today, but I That's did. That's okay. That's all yeah, right. I, we don't need any big ideas. You know, we're just, <laughs> we're just the little people here. That's all we are. I did hear, though, something that amused me that I okay. learned was, right. yeah, it's, this is a piece of news. Um, actually, I think this was published. You know PETA? PETA, the, uh, uh, the, the, the animal rights people, PETA? That's right. Yes. Uh -huh. So evidently in early May, this is from their own website, PETA goes biblical with chat GPT vegan rewrite of the book of Genesis. Hang on a minute. Okay, so we're, we're <laughs> okay. So just just so I'm clear, we're rewriting the Bible under the auspices of a vegan concept. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to read you a little <laughs> bit of it? Yeah, please do. I'm sure, and I'm sure Bruce would be very very interested to hear this as well. In the beginning, all animals were treated with respect, according to Peta which has given the Bible's book of Genesis a modern makeover using ChatGPT to send a can't-be-missed animal rights message filled with vegan teachings. PETA hopes the new, cruelty-free story of creation will appeal to Generation Z, 73% of whom identify as animal rights activists. In the book, PETA's version of the creation story and, and that's what it's called, the book, colon, PETA's version of the creation story. 
Animals are referred to as beings rather than beasts or creatures, and plant fibers like hemp and bamboo are used in place of animal skins for clothing, as no one with any fashion or moral sense would wear skins in the 21st century. Among other new interpretations, in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham travels to the land of Moriah and befriends a gentle lamb to show his reverence and respect for God's creation, rather than slaughtering a ram to demonstrate his faith, much as human sacrifice once a reality is now outlawed all over the world. The Bible has long been used to justify all forms of oppression, so we've used ChatGPT to make it clear that a loving God would never endorse exploitation of or cruelty to animals, said PETA President Ingrid Ingrid Newkirk. It took God only six days to create the entire world, but we realized it would take us years to rewrite the whole Bible, which is why we started with just the first book. So (laughs) it says that in chapter 21, when Abraham and Sarah, who according to the original Bible, were 190 years old, respectively, when they conceived their child, Isaac, Add to their growing family by adopting a dog named Herbie. <laughs> this uh, is Bruce, in there. <laughs> you, yeah, do you um, do you want to you want to take that one right off the bat? Uh, because yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll start with the um, the hemp and uh, you know. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you look there in Genesis, it was actually God that slew the animal and skinned it to make the the clothing for Adam and Eve, who were just using fig leaves at the time. Secondarily, the uh, land that they talk about there, uh, that was instead of sacrificing it, um, the, you're you're missing the entire. The, there's an entire picture they're building up there that there's generations and generations of the Lamb of God, right? That the reference Lamb, Christ is the Lamb of the sacrificial Lamb. There's a whole generation, a whole foundation of a Lamb being a sacrifice for sins. And this is like a foundational concept in the Jewish culture. And then the Messiah comes to be that sacrificial lamb. It's all like a word picture. It's all, there's an importance to it. So taking that out and and removing that completely, oh God, that that is just a new (laughs) level of heresy. I'm. This is low. Like this, this is, this is low. Look, I, I understand these, these people have grievance against the way that animals are treated. Look, I understand that to a certain extent that we do need some standards in the industry. Okay. I'm not disputing that because if you look at some of these uh, industrialized farming methods that we're using, it's horrible. That is pretty horrible. That's as far as I will go with it. But the rest of this nonsense, they're now to the point where they're rewriting scripture and we're we're basing it on uh, what the uh, the concept of the book of Genesis should be in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what you're looking at here is year zero. It, it, you know, if you want to just talk about Marxist revolution, uh, you know, the rewriting of history all the way across the board. You know, I don't know. I mean, I honestly think that PETA did this as a legitimate project to drive home their point, whatever, you know, points that they want to make. Yeah. Isn't this the same group? Didn't, didn't they do this a couple of years back, Bruce, where they said that if you drink milk, that's a drink of like white supremacy or something. Is that the same group that did this? Yeah. So something about PETA to keep in mind, PETA, they're, they're trolls. 
they mm-hmm. they put out something that is inflammatory like this and gets them attention. So they understand the concept of any any kind of press is good press, whether it's good or bad. They're they're getting attention. And that's what they're doing is they're just they're just out there getting themselves attention. And it, the people that are for PETA's agenda are going to be more for PETA and the people that are already on the fence about them are going to be again. It, it doesn't do them any real good. It just gets them more money from the same people that are already giving them money anyway. Well, and it gets them attention. I mean, look, I gave them attention. So, but they do, they'll have an actress that uh, is naked with a boa constrictor wrapped around her or naked riding a dolphin or, you know, it's attention. It's PR. It's publicity. Well, I didn't take the time to look at the at PETA's annual reports and bottom line and, and what their CEO is being paid. I mean, those are the kind of things that always interest me is like, you know, the idea with these NGOs, these nonprofits and all the organizations that tell us all how we have to live our lives. When you lift up the cover and see that most of the money is spent on their own lifestyle. Very little is actually spent on a, a cause. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the Biden Cancer Initiative, Bruce. You remember that? <laughs> you remember how much they actually funneled through that organization? Yeah. And yeah, yeah it, it was, was a few million, I think, four million, I think, or something like that. Oh, it was more than that. I, I, th- I thought it was more than that, but it they, been, yeah. they didn't that may have been actually- the expenses. Yeah, they didn't actually do anything as far as giving the money to any kind of cancer research or treatments or anything. It was literally just lifestyles and conferences and salaries and travel expenses Mm -hmm. and and everything else. I I think they gave they gave a small portion to make it legal. They they gave like a hundred thousand or something like that to say. Well, oh no, we're giving money to it, but really ninety nine percent of it went into administration expenses. Yeah, Uh, a lot of these. things will do the same thing it's yeah go, go ahead well i was just thinking that the, the 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 trolling that you you called it trolling kind of ties in with the story that you were showing me when we were doing the sound check of the ceremony that was held in los angeles earlier this oh yes the sister yes the the uh-huh. sister that was giving the blessing of the flag raising yes yeah um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if playing it. Basically, you, I, you've got a man dressed as a woman. Are with you a, sure? I'm not. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've seen men dressed as women before, and I don't think that like that didn't even look like that. Wearing a very colorful and broad interpretation of a nun's habit, um, who is delivering a prayer, wel- which welcomes it, the prayer was to inaugurate the flying of the pride flag with all of the other flags that are officially on display in the city of Los Angeles, and then welcoming everyone into the city. And what a day uh, to celebrate this is! And I, I think that all of these things are trolling they're meant to get people that that may, that that don't understand what is happening and why and what the agenda is completely upset because you're looking at insanity and then those of us who have an idea of what why they're doing this what's going on uh, to keep us sidetracked basically instead of talking about something that we might be able to affect the outcome of it, they they literally remove your concept of reality, or, or they attempt to anyway. And I it, I tend to believe that it it stems from some form of social guilt that they have. 
as in they they feel as though and I'm not I'm not just speaking about one specific individual or one specific group here I'm talking about people that have this this rebellious idea of what our societies are supposed to be you know our our mm-hmm. typical traditional pluralistic societies where they're trying to rewrite all of it saying well we we're doing this in the name of social justice and we want a pluralist society well we've already got that you know we already have all these things but they want to rewrite it on their terms and it doesn't even make any sense at least not not to us but more than that it doesn't make sense to them because they don't present any ideas that actually form a foundational basis for a type of society that they want to have it would literally just turn into anarchy they are out to destroy the actual society because they're at war with the system that they can't exist in because they don't know how. And this is the point. We are at the point where they've brought out the nihilists, as they said that they would, those who are disaffected, who have a chip on their shoulder. And, you you know, we've talked before about Besmanov and the series of talks that were recorded when he started to expose the, the Soviet system. But what you're looking at are groups of people who are being used uh, in a big way. And the unfortunate thing is the the terrible fallout. And I think specifically for me, I'm troubled by um, young children who are under the age of 18, who are doing gender reassignment, who are being butchered. And this is very troubling to me and something that I still think that we have to speak out against. We have to somehow say something that can affect at least the outcome for even if it's just one child. But mm, these are disaffected people who, as Besmanov said, will be eliminated. They are the first who will be eliminated. And And that's true. That is true. I I had actually, um, I had heard this. I, I don't know if you were on uh, last week or or the week before when I had mentioned this, but somebody from my hometown had mentioned to me that not not the the school that I attend, not the high school that I attended, but the school that is next to that, the high school that's in the neighboring uh, town next to that. They actually have four students in there that have been provided their own special room with sandboxes because they identify as a dog or a cat. And I mean, that that is a mental illness. When you identify as a dog or if you're a human being and you identify as a dog or a cat, that is a mental problem and you need some help. But it's not as if that is bad enough. What makes it worse is the fact that the faculty and the students are forced to affirm that Mm -hmm. because of the agenda that we have in society. Now, We're, we're so twisted up and turned around in this society that you are now telling people and you're affirming the fact that we all now have to share in that same delusion. That to me is a mental illness as well from the people that are affirming it. (laughs) And so it might not be the individual, say like the faculty member or the administration or whoever's doing it. It might not be the fact that they're identifying as a dog or a cat, but they're sharing in that delusion that this person believes that they're a dog or a cat and they're conforming to it and they're making everybody else conform to it as well. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's also the technique that Orwell wrote about in 1984 when the, you know, the torturer says, it's however many fingers I say it is. And you can't just say, yes, I agree. I mean, you've got, you have to believe it. They have to demoralize you until you can believe it. That's where they go with this kind of insanity. And I was speaking with someone uh, 
just yesterday, and we were discussing the the doctors who go along with this, and it's a lockstep. It's a very unified, so that even doctors who aren't necessarily involved in um, gender-affirming therapies, as they call them, or surgeries, are signing petitions to bully anybody in the field who is a holdout on this to say that not supplying these surgeries and these drugs is is hate. So there's so much pressure, not just amongst, you know, school students and teenagers, but even within the very profession who's, you know, leading the charge on this butchery. But I, I wanted to say something about the real history that I put up week before yeah, last. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it, it was entitled Judy in Disguise with Glasses. And Judy that I was talking to had been, she let me know the word transableism. And once she put me on to that, I did a lot of looking into it and I realized, oh my goodness, this is going on all around, which is that people identify as being disabled. And oh, sure yeah. enough, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know if you were aware, but about a month or six weeks ago or so, the University of Michigan or Michigan State University, I think, um, published their new guidelines on inclusive language. And there were a lot of words that they didn't want anyone to use because they weren't inclusive or they might trigger someone and so forth. But Amongst those words that they did not want used was uh, able, able-bodied, because able and able-bodied makes um, being able-bodied seem normal. So they've got all new words that they want you to use, but it, it's it's one step further because there are already people who are maiming themselves, who are cutting off a limb uh, somehow crippling themselves because to go along with this delusion that they yeah. uh, that I, they're crippled. I heard uh, I heard something along these lines. It, it's been a few years ago now. I want to say it was before COVID, and it was when something like that started. Now I don't know where this was, and I, I honestly I can't even remember when I heard it. I just heard it, and I thought this is just so insane. It's so out there, mm -hmm. and these people. I believe it was in the UK. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's where it was. It was in the UK, and they were identifying as a disabled person, and they were dumping chemicals in their eyes to cause blindness. Yes. Yes. The, these stories are real. This is happening. And so, you know, identifying as a, a cat or a dog, I mean, it is a a terrible thing to have to set aside your tax money to put sandboxes in a school. But, you know, what's next? Then do they want to be spayed and neutered? Um, I don't even want to think about I don't want to think about the, the former, let alone the latter. Um, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. That, like that's well, just to answer your question. Yes. I mean, yes. if you look at my generation and younger, there's many of them that are, well, Doctors are refusing to do it for some, uh, especially women, because it, it, it can be a permanent, whereas men, it might be reversible. Uh, so they're a little bit more lenient when it comes to men, but they're refusing to be a neuter, the individuals. Uh, but my generation is looking at and younger are looking to sterilize themselves. Um, yes. It, it, it's, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, see what. It, what they haven't had pointed out to them because they are brainwashed and they don't have access to real information 
is that the sterilization process, the infertility is already well underway. It's very well documented. Um, These things are published. It's in the mainstream. All you have to do is type in the words dropping sperm count or, you know, whatever you will come up with. And and they take turns depending on what year it is and what documentary. Is it BPA in the plastics or is it some other chemical toxin or what's going on? But You know, if we lived in a real world where there was some concern, then you better believe that agencies and, uh, you know, health bodies would be all over trying to find out why the sperm count is plummeting. And it is plummeting. But since these unfortunate children don't understand that this has been the agenda for decades, they're rushing out to speed it along, you know, for Gaia, Mother Earth, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this whole thing for climate change. Um, I I I tend to think at, at this point, and Bruce and I have been doing a lot of research the last couple of days into the tactics and disinformation campaigns that are going on. And I showed you a little bit of it, uh, like specifically what's coming out of uh, China and some of the disinformation campaigns. China had the one child policy for many years, if you recall, mm-hmm. and their population and their demographics have suffered immensely because of that. Russia had the same problem. They lost 20 to 40 million in the Second World War, respectively. And that is, I think, honestly, just looking back into Soviet history, as I've been doing recently, I think that's being conservative, as well as with China. And these countries have had their fair share of population problems, and they've had their fair share of demographic problems. Now, it seems as though we're in a race at the moment when it comes to populations, both East and West, in my humble opinion. And by that, I mean, it almost seems like it's um, it, it's a it's going to be a photo finish as to see which one's actually going to survive it in the long term, because they have population problems. Now we have population problems and we're to the point now where we are through these agendas that you're you're speaking on, these agendas are accelerating so fast because all of them are are tailored. Every single one of them, whether it's identifying as this or that or or whatever, a dog, a cat, a, a clock. I I I really mean that uh, a golden frog or whatever. I'm just saying all of this is centered around the same thing: climate change and, and everything else. It's all centered around depopulation and the elimination of the next generation. That's what it's all about. Every single one of these mm-hmm. things. And so if you look at this, we're on track, if not getting very close to passing the demographics disasters of what's going on in the Far Eastern countries. Mm-hmm. So I think I think honestly, I mean, we're, we're looking at this as a, as a horrible uh, blow to our demographics. And, and that becomes, as you said, with people, if this were a real concern, that becomes not just a, a what should be a concern to the medical and the scientific community. This becomes a national security problem because we can't actually run and operate our institutions, regardless of the woke agendas or not. We can't run and operate our institutions and our businesses if we don't have enough people to do this. Well, if bigger. you talk, if you talk about replacement theory, right? Then you're going to be targeted far right, racist, white supremacist. But this is much bigger than one race or ethnic group being displaced by another. And it is much bigger than one nation having its population replaced, its primary population replaced by an incoming group of immigrants. Because what you're what you're talking about here is not a race issue. It's a maximum chaos issue. 
And it's going on all over the world right now. I mean, Ireland, Germany, I know you're seeing it there too, France. Yep. Here, it, it's this has nothing to do with a racial agenda. It is it's creating chaos, and it's also driving home the point, which I think at this point in the agenda, they want us all to know that the nation state, as far as they're concerned, is well and truly dead. And there can be no cohesion. And as long as they've got people fighting left, right, black versus white, then nobody can look around and say, well, now, hey, why are all these things happening? Why is the sperm count plummeting? And why is one particular group being replaced by another? But even to open your mouth on it at this point in time will get you branded far right extremist. You forgot conspiracy theorists. Well, yeah. <laughs> That too. <laughs> that too. Yeah. No, you're 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 right, and that's that's what it is. It, it's become that, and the reason it's become that is because we've done nothing to to identify it and call it out as a problem, and so therefore it just turns into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And the problem just compounds on itself. The longer we allow this to continue, there will come a point in time when the name calling, as far as I'm concerned, the name calling that's only going to go so far. Um, but it's a matter of us being able to, as we talked about last week, Bruce, we talked about solutions. The first thing we have to do is people that are in the right. I'm not talking about the right wing. I mean, in the right, as in the traditionalists, the people that are interested in, in conserving our way of life here in the West, as in our, our free and open societies, our democratically run systems. We have to be able to ignore the name calling. You know, we have mm -hmm. to be able to to look past this. We're literally we're being shut down by a bunch of uh, of people that have these proverbial chips on their shoulders that have resorted to name calling. That's what we've been reduced to is that uh, quite frankly, I don't care. If someone calls me a name, I don't care if someone calls me a, a racist, a bigot, xenophobe, a homophobe, whatever. Usually when you resort to name calling, that usually comes from some type of a bully on a playground that doesn't know how to read. I'm just saying, you know, that's, that's usually what you end up with. And in a way, I kind of feel sorry for these people that do this. But that, that's what they've resorted to is calling people names. And I honestly, until people, again, you know, of, of good conscience, until these people in the average public until they say, you know what? I don't care about your name, Colin. And they continue on, nothing will change. Bruce, you look like you, you want to jump in there. Go ahead. I just wanted to point out as well, the um, the birth rate issue, That's what kind of repercussions is that going to have long-term? Because um, you need that genetic diversity. Uh, and, and people not having kids, you're reducing the, the, the amount of diversity that's there. What's going to happen long term to the human race? I, I mean, just taking the politics out of the pic picture for a moment, um, this is going to cause great damage to society as a whole, to the human race as a whole, if this continues. Um, well, uh, okay. let me interject there really quickly. I, I think um, that there is a group um, intergenerationally working towards an agenda it is not, it is about more than control. Depopulation is a part of it. But the, to answer the question, what is going to happen? What they want to happen is our elimination. And that's coming at us from every angle right now. And if you can see the fallout from the last three years, which is still going on, um, I, I'm hearing stories literally almost every single day of someone who knows someone 
or someone who knows someone who knows someone. But sometimes it's right. It, it, sometimes it's in the family. Drop dead, heart attack, stroke, blood clot, embolism, you name it. And the studies that have already been done in the last three years about the effects of this uh experimental whatever that I won't bother to say uh, has had on fertility, female fertility. I just saw something published by uh, Dr. William Mackis out of Canada, um, and I might send you the link later, but uh, he was talking about the known side effects on menstruating women. And it's horrifying. This in particular was... um, uh, from the company with the silent P, <laughs> but brought I, to you I, by I, yeah. brought to you by <laughs> Pfizer, yeah. So uh, it's yeah. I mean, the, it is. We're living through a nightmare, and we can we can joke because we have to. We have to have gallows humor, the, the, otherwise you collapse. But we're living through a takedown, and it's coming at us from a lot of angles. So. They're not thinking for a moment about um, infertility, uh, who's not having children, replacement theory, none of this, because their goals are coming to fruition. Their thousand points of light are working just as they predicted that they would. And, you know, there's one thing that that Alan said, I, I wish I could remember um, exactly the way that he would say it. I'm sure he said it on a podcast, but a time or two, he's talked about how we react like shaking our fists at a bullet train that's flying by. Or if we haven't gotten off the track in time, it's run us over. And this, most of the things that we talk about, simply because this is where our attention is being pointed we're just reacting. We're shaking the fist and going, how dare you or you can't do that. And it's gone. You know, that bullet train is the next state over at this point. And, you know, just back really quickly to that, um, the real history that I did, Judy in disguise with glasses. I illustrated it with a little video and I was looking for images. And what astounded me. I mean, there were a few things that came to mind right away. One of them was the short uh a uh, Vonnegut novel, that, a short story co- that was turned into a film called 2081. There are a lot of ways in which we've seen uh, a future with handicapped people being either warned of or predicted. But what I was amazed by was the amount of toys that were aimed at for handicapped children. Stacks and stacks of Barbie dolls in wheelchairs, um, Ken dolls in wheelchairs. What? And I, uh, yes, and I tell you, this is the truth. There was a one, one little point that I wanted to illustrate with the Barbie dream house. So I okay. put the pic, yeah, I put the picture into the video, and it was a little girl playing by her Barbie dream house with all the, you know, the house and the toys and the furniture and the clothes and everything. I put it in there. I rendered the video. And when I was doing the last minute check just to make sure that it was it all flowed and there was no glitches in the video, I looked at that Barbie dream house and I could not believe it. I had not seen it when I found the image, but there was a little wheelchair off to one side. Now, listeners have started to send me some articles since I put that up. 
um, and there was a, a, a woman in Canada that sent me all kinds of wheelchair fun. The wheelchair swing platform allows a wheelchair to receive the benefits and joy of swinging, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to ask yourself as you're shaking your fist at the train that's going by, what do they have planned that normalizing handicap, that normalizing this to the point that it's got to be in multiple play toys, what do they have planned for the children? The only thing and, I can think is is it's it's got to be... Um... It's got to be connected to what they want to do down the line. Um, and I can get to that in a second. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interject. It could just be latency. I'll let you finish your point, but I will play it as soon as you finish. Well, Judy made the horrifying uh, suggestion based on the fact that the metaverse has promoted it, the metaverse with these animated characters that don't have legs. And she said, what? She she was talking about Rudolf Steiner, who was a philosopher, a thinker from, you know, years ago. She was talking about how Steiner was saying they want to take mankind to the point where you're just an, a single organism, like an eyeball. You're, you're a head. You're, you're, you're something that has some sentience in it, but you don't need more than an eye, right? And if you think about it, that's kind of what the metaverse is. This is the, you know, or the matrix where we're just batteries, you know, for a completely virtual reality. But take a look at it. The the, the metaverse indeed has promotional material out there that shows animated characters who possess no legs. That's a creepy thought, but boy, are they taking us on a wild ride. See, I never put, I didn't put too much thought. So I do a little bit of 3D modeling and whatnot, kind of as a hobby on the side. I seen that and I thought their animators are just being lazy because <laughs> to animate the legs, I mean, it does take some extra effort and work. And if you've uh, seen any footage from other games, if you will, that use um, VR, uh, the leg animations when you're in a multiplayer environment are pretty janky to, to get it to function properly. So I just assumed uh, seeing it, they were just being lazy and didn't want to try to fix the problems that are in, in VR. And and just instead of fixing it, they just covered it up. I well, I can't help I can't help but think, uh, and I'm I'm just I'm just kind of surmising here. I, I can't I can't say I know this for certain, but just based on what we've been hearing over the last um, year or so. So they tried to get everybody <clears throat> vaccinated with the COVID nineteen thing, right? They they tried to go mm -hmm. down that line. They tried to get everybody to take to take digital passports, but it just didn't work, right? And we all knew that that was going to stem into other things. But you were a conspiracy theory. That was a right wing conspiracy. If you believed any of that, that was complete nonsense. You didn't know what you were talking about, and you just needed to listen to the experts. Well, Tony Blair, former Prime Minister of the UK, on the stage at the World Economic Forum. Over the last meeting, this is what he had to say. Now, we know that we've had lots of problems, lots of neurological problems. People have had all kinds of permanent damage that's been done because of these uh, COVID-19 vaccines, right? I mean, we saw the, the fallout of that. And as you said, we're still seeing the fallout of the jab campaigns that they ran under COVID. So again, Tony Blair, 
on the stage at the World Economic Forum just this past year on what they're planning in the future. You need to know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been. Some of the vaccines that will come on down the line will be multiple. There'll be multiple shots. So you've got to have, for, for reasons to do with the healthcare more generally, but certainly for a, a pandemic or for, um, for, for vaccines, you've got to have a proper digital infrastructure. There's going to be multiple shots down the line. Uh-huh. So Uh they've already, whether he meant to say that or not, it doesn't matter because that right there just shows that they've got something in the works that they're ready to roll out on people. Now, to cement that up, right, because that was um, that was January. okay, so that was six months ago. Right. That was then. Not too many people paid attention to that. Listen to the World Health Organization director, Mr. Ted Rose, everybody's favorite man that's guilty of genocide, this man. Uh, Bill Gates is lackey himself. Listen to him yesterday. While the emergency phase of the COVID-19 pandemic is now over, investments in digital infrastructure remain an important resource for health systems and for economies and societies at large. Like many countries, the European Union made significant investments in COVID-19 certificates to help people move around as safely as possible during the pandemic. The European Union certification system was used by all 27 EU member states and more than 50 other countries. Building on the success of the EU system, WHO is proud today to launch the Global Digital Health Certification Network So thank you so much to European uh, Union for the excellent certification system that you have transferred to us and we have the chance to build on it. WHO will begin operations of the network today with the existing COVID-19 certificate as a global public good. Soon after, we will expand this infrastructure by incorporating other use such as a digitized international certificate of vaccination, routine immunization cards, and international patient summaries. Now, my guess, and again, it's just a guess based on what these two fine upstanding individuals have said, being very sarcastic, they know that they're going to be doing a lot of damage to a lot of people. And so my guess is, is that they're doing these types of things that you're t- you're mentioning. So all of these different little hints within the younger generations, within the toys and things like that, they're trying to desensitize the generations that are coming up. So when they see all of these people around them that are disabled from this sick agenda that they're trying to implement, it will be normal to them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's a it is a true horror show. It is. And don't forget uh, the tabletop exercise. Was it last fall? Catastrophic contagion? Mm-hmm. You- yeah, we covered mm-hmm. it here. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the same players, Bill and Melinda Gates, the World Health Organization, uh, Johns Hopkins, I think, were the main organizers of that event. And in this event, it was a pandemic that overwhelmingly affected young people, children, and teenagers um, and with the, both a high fatality rate and a high injury rate. Now, it was a tabletop exercise, right? Just an so exercise. was 201. It was a, it uh-huh. was a tabletop. Mm-hmm. So was lockstep. It was a tabletop <laughs> by the Rockefeller Foundation. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think what we're looking at, see, another little thing, I, I don't know that we want to dive deep into this, but... Well, we've got... 
I will say we've got about 15, 20 minutes left. So if we can do it in that amount of time, then sure, let's go. Well, th- this is just a two minute but and then you can comment on it. But yesterday I heard something on the news that uh, local to my area about a sex ring that had been broken up, a small ring, and they, they had picked up a school superintendent for soliciting sex with a minor. And I heard that and I wanted to pull the story up. And when I did, one of the other stories that came up was a reminder to me of a big ring bust here in the state of Texas in January of this year, where they had gotten about 40 different perpetrators and released some victims who were being held and included in the organizers of the sex ring were a youth pastor several school teachers, a high school gym coach. And I thought, okay, all right, we, we've got an hour that that we're going to dedicate to this, just one hour. And so what I did, I said, this, this won't be just Texas, right? I went alphabetically, every single state, all 50 states, and I found multiple stories. My search parameter was sex ring busted, and then I added the state. And I did it over and over again. And I promise you that in every state, you will find at least one or two or three instances of some kind of sex ring that was busted in the last 12 to 18 months. And here's a question. One other thing. I'm just yeah. curious. I'm just curious because we see not just at the federal level, we see a Justice Department that turns a blind eye to this stuff. And we see Soros-funded DAs all across the country that also mm-hmm. do the same thing. They turn a blind eye to this stuff. So who's busting them, if you don't mind me asking? Well, the, what appears to be is that these are, there There have been some federal rings or some federal cases, I think. I think that at least one of them, one in California was a federal operation, but most of them are local. Now, here is the the thing that makes it hard to figure out who, who's doing what, because in some of these rings that were busted, police were prominent in organizing and maintaining the ring. In one case, and I, I actually think um, this was Oklahoma. The pastor, school superintendent is all I have in Oklahoma. There was one in which a retired high-level uh, police detective was deflecting and subterfuging the department's investigation in order to protect the ring. So you've got cops who are bad and then cops who are good doing the looking for it, but it does all seem to be local level stuff. But there were a couple of things that I thought about. You know, first of all, this was just a one hour that I devoted to looking this up, but it must be going on in over and over again, and it gets no national coverage. The networks don't cover. They could care less. And in many, many of these stories, when they bust them, they release victims. Some of these victims have been missing for a long time. In one of the um, one of the rings that was busted in Missouri a year before last, there was a four-year-old victim that was released that was found that had been missing. So it's, it's it's a nightmare. It's happening. It's happening all around us. Um, and I think that people have just been contaminated really to the point where they, they don't put their attention where it ought to be. 
one other little thing in this exercise that caught my attention was the the fact that the different departments who are investigating they give them names you know operation such and such so there was operation ohio nose and operation velvet fury operation united front operation net nanny one i did not know was called operation map and that was um Map, I said, what's yeah. an MA? Yeah, yeah. We've, well, yeah. see, you you know, I was talking to well, Neil Foster, been, too, and he knew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so a minor yeah. attracted person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little out the loop on that one. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. But yeah, that's that's one of the um, that's one of the more prominent things that we've been uh, looking into in the last few months, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce, because they they're bringing that out. They, they're, they're trying to normalize it uh, is in. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that, uh, look, this entire thing, this this whole uh, LGBTQ2 plus whatever, you know, whatever, however long string you want to make those those letters, all of this in the beginning, it was just about all that one thing. We just we just want you to accept this one thing. Right. It was just this one thing. Mm-hmm. And you had people then saying it's about indoctrinating the kids. It's about getting to the kids. Nobody believed that. Well, now you've got to the point where all of this all, all of this, uh, this, this whole agenda, this whole LGBTQ plus two I whatever agenda has turned into this. It's turned into this minor attracted person. They're trying to to normalize it. And I'm not saying that that these rings are associated with you know that agenda. I'm just saying that it becomes a, a how did you put it a, a desensitizing right. It, it's it's all part of that desensi- desensitizing the next generation and the next one and the next one. So these people are 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 wound up in in all of this stuff. You know, people get exposed to this in society, and it becomes the norm to them. Is mm-hmm. my point? Yeah, uh, was it uh, Judith Reisman who's passed away now? I think was her name uh, who did a lot of work on the effects of uh, pornography on the brain, and of course, uh, a lot of people did not like what she had to say. Um, one of the big ideas that she promoted was that addiction to pornography is a growing thing. You start off, it's like vanilla sex, and it gets more and more extreme. And it it, it ends up with, I mean, basically, Alan used to talk about uh, the... Uh, I am blanking on his name. It was from the Frankfurt School. But the idea that this would all end in necrophilia. Adorno, Theo Adorno, that this would end in necrophilia. And I really? think we... Oh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, I understand um, they have problems with that. I, I in, in other in other parts of the world, they have problems with that. I was I was actually I was reading something. I want to say it was about two, three weeks ago now where they're having problems. And I, I'm sorry to, to be so graphic. And and look, I know people from from that part of the world. And I they're really good people in the You know, I don't don't mean anything against them when I say this. But in Pakistan, they have a big problem with this. And they actually go so far as to hiring private security people to guard the graves of their relatives and their children. And they'll put mm. they'll put actual steel cages above the burial site to keep these people out. Like it's it's gotten to that point. It's that bad. And this is not, you know, something that, that went on six years ago, seven years ago, seven hundred years ago. We're talking about last week, the week before mm-hmm. last. This is this is recent stuff. And so to hear that, that 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 was the case, I'd never heard that before. Is that, is that this ends in in necrophilia? That's just like that's some. Um, I, I almost feel like that's that's like Ted Bundy kind of stuff. 
if that makes sense. Well, it, again, if you take Judith Reisman's idea, then you keep upping the, you, you know, the need and in order for the arousal to happen, it just has to get um, more and more extreme. It's like a gambling addiction, I guess. You know, yeah. somebody that's, that's addicted to gambling, it's just the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. You you also have the, the, the reverse effect that's happening as well, um, because there's so much pornography available now. We've kind of talked about this a bit uh, before as well. Young men to, for, for lack of a better phrase, they don't even know how to sin right anymore. They go to the pornography instead of the real thing, if you will. So instead of, you know, going out and finding a woman, they just stay at home and enjoy porn instead. Um, and they're, they're becoming less of a man. And I, and I mean, I'm meaning that in the, the secular sense. It, it, so there is an element of, I agree, I, 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 this is going to push, the, the, the far edges are going to push to necrophilia in the end. Uh, right now we're in pedophilia and uh, uh, what's, there, there's another term. Uh, it, it's, it's not pedophilia, but it is pedophilia, but it's, it's a, it's whatever, it's nuance, it doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, the, at the under, other end of the spectrum, you're also causing a lower sex drive uh, for um, some of the generations that are coming up uh, because of the, the, there's just it's so inundated in their lives. I, I was I read a, several months back, maybe six months ago or so. I read a book on internet to pornography addiction, and this book was written published about nine years ago now, I think. And and so you can only imagine how much more the problem has developed. But the one they interviewed psychologists, and they were talking about exactly what you're saying: is that young men they have no interest in having sexual relations with a a real woman none and you know some of them were reporting that they you know they were in a relationship and the relationship just tanked went south because they just wanted pornography they were not interested in their their partner um you know another thing too just switching a little bit alan watt used to say regularly that society would become so degraded that soon live sex, watching people have sex, not uh, we're not, not talking about pornography, but live sex on mainstream television would just become a normal thing. We would we're dangerously take it for close granted. to that. Yeah, we're dangerously well, close to that. Someone sent me this news link yesterday. Has Sweden made sex an official sport? Here's what reports say. Over the weekend, multiple media reports citing sources said that Sweden has become the first country in the world to officially register sex as a sport and will also host the first ever European sex championship June 8. However, the reports have turned out to be fake, right? As it turns out, the details emerged on Twitter turned out to be fake. The uh, Swedish news outlet reported that an application was filed by the Swedish Federation of Sexes Chairman and had been rejected. They filed the application because they told the local media that they have an organization number and sexes should be a sport like any other. Um, the Federation said they rejected the application for no other reason that it was incomplete. So this is what Alan would call a trial balloon. And Sweden, remember, um, led the charge 
back in the late 60s and early 70s as being a so-called free love, free sex kind of place. And you can see where that has taken them as a country. Their divorce rate is very high. It's very hard for uh, couples to stay together, for families to stay together. The, there is a lot of ways in which they've inverted um, what you might call natural male and female roles based on what comes natural to the different sexes. I think that's uh, it. I think that's a problem in, in just about all of our countries these days is is that is we've had an inversion of just about everything. I mean, I don't know of too many. I, I know a few, but I don't know of too many that are actually in like a, a marriage anymore. I mean, I know I know people that, that have many, many children, but they're not in they're not like they don't stay married uh, or it's or it's the inverse. It's the woman has the big career and the guy doesn't. You know, it's it's everything's been flipped mm-hmm. upside down. Mm-hmm. So things have changed in, in our societies is, is my point. And so we're following that trend, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I think you are right. But I, I, I think that what we are what we're seeing is perversion becoming, you know, way beyond normalized and across the board. It is. And it all starts with the sister giving the blessing that we watched. <laughs> That's what it is. It's it's a perversion of, of, of how things are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have, uh, I'll tell you what, final thoughts. We're coming down to the last few minutes here. Would you like to tell us about your latest podcast or was that the one you were mentioning earlier? Is that your latest one? Oh, that was, that was week before last. The one coming up tomorrow is a, a nice, good conversation with Neil Foster, which I actually recorded last night. And in fact, we did, we covered a couple of these topics. So it'll be a nice segue from this to that because we got into the LGBTQ plus two plus plus I. Uh, all yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's uh, Trudeau's actually calling the two S I plus LGBT. Like, I, I don't even know what any of this stuff is. Like, it's, it changes, uh, it uh, seems like almost every other week now. So I, I, I don't know. Well, I actually found out when I was talking to Neil, I looked up the two and it's an it's indigenous. It came out of Canada, but it stands for two spirit. Two spirit. Okay. Yeah. So they I, I think those who claim that might have, you know, an indigenous heritage, but they're claiming that they their spirit is both male and female. Okay. All right. So now you know. <laughs> I, now I know. I guess now I'm informed. I guess I, I got it. At least until that changes. Um, okay. So you've got your uh, your podcast coming up. Looking forward to that. That is Real History with Melissa. What is going on on your website that you would like to talk about? Well, every Wednesday, um, I am posting something. Thanks to Mike in Canada, who's been making these. He's been finding the clips and making the videos, and we've done some interesting series. All of which I think have been his ideas. And right now we're on programmed people, and so it's the different types of ways that programming is used. We've covered psychic driving and cognitive dissonance, and so there's some good ideas we're covering there. And I think that's going to last about three more Wednesdays and we may or may not have another series after that because that's that was Mike's baby so to speak and those are just clips of Alan Watt talking that he puts to video and then every Sunday I put up the Redux talk sometimes I may add a few of my thoughts into it Um, mostly though it's just playing 
an older talk of Alan Watts that I try to update by news, the news links that I add to it or, you know, a written piece, the not sure written piece or news of the day or my comments, because that's the thing that I just find so amazing about Alan's talks is that they're timeless, frankly. And whatever he says, whenever he says it, it really seems to resonate with exactly what's happening right now, which is uncanny, to say the least. It is. I uh, I remember the last clip that I listened to him. It was just some random one that I found uh, somewhere on, I think it was on like Rumble or something. It's one that uh, somebody put together. I don't think it was you guys. My, well, it could have been. I don't know. But uh, it was it was him talking about Maurice Strong. And mm-hmm. everything that, that he was involved with and how he's, you know, his, his relationship with China and how he's buried in China next to Mao uh, and mm-hmm. everything. And I, I, you know, we were we were just looking around for things that were involving China and everything that they're involved with and everything that, that Bill Gates is involved with now as far as buying up all the farmland across the U.S., which is one of the things that, that Strong did. And I thought this like he's talking in that clip, he was talking about all the things that are happening right now, but it wasn't under Maurice Strong. It was under Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. And it was like everything lined up the same way. He's in business mm-hmm. with the same people. You know, he's, he's, he does the same type of things. He takes the same actions. He gave that talk. I want to say it was in like 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. something like that. And, you know, it, 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 it's like it resonates now. This is 2023, and it, it, is, it is bang on point right now. Well, so the one thing that Alan figured out is that it is one agenda, just one. Yeah. And everything that we look at down through time, I mean, he, had, he did amazing work to just keep going back and get back and further in history and further in history as far as he could go and led him to the conclusion it's one it's intergenerational, call them a priesthood, a brotherhood, if you will, but it, they work it intergenerationally, and you're looking at one agenda down through time. And that's why the names and the players, they don't matter that much, because Bill Gates is going to do exactly what Maurice Strong was doing, who was doing what the same, promoting the same things that Bertrand Russell was, you know, it just goes on and on through time. Yeah, they all seem to fall like one just picks up right after the next one steps away or or passes on or something. And I I wonder, based on that, I wonder who's going to take over Kissinger's job because mm. he's a hundred this month. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. That's very. Uh, the uh, I was listening to a talk considering something I might put up on Sunday, and Alan was talking about Maurice Strong and Kissinger and what they what supplements they must be getting that they could globe trot around it at the age of 70. And I thought, well, my goodness, you know, Maurice Strong finally did die. But this was Alan speaking to somebody, I think, in 2006. And there's Kissinger still going, still yep. weighing in. He's, he's still going even now. <laughs> he, he gave yeah. a speech. Uh, I think the last time we heard him was, I think it was at the World Economic Forum, where he Mm -hmm. gave a a very brief talk on Ukraine joining NATO. And we're watching that. Of course, he's 99 years old. He's he's either he's just turned 100 or or whatever. But we were watching that and we played it here. And as we're all playing, you know, as we're all watching him on this clip, he finishes and we all just kind of look at each other and and we say, you know what? For 99 years old, he is still more lucid than the U.S. president is today. 
It's, it, and it is. He is. He, that's, he's still that's not a high bar. That's not a high bar, Johnny. But no, it's right. not. It's not. But no, it's it's it is quite something. All right. Yeah, uh, we're going to go ahead and call this one done. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for uh, for sitting down with us. And we look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Fantastic. Again, that is Melissa from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I encourage all of our listeners to get over there and take a look at the treasure trove of information that they keep of the late, great Alan Watt and his collected works. Again, that's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and her podcast, Real History with Melissa. So I'd like to thank you both for being here today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening. Bye.